Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hey, it's a great day here in Chicago, and I have a wonderful guest. It is also like a frozen tundra day, and I'm so pleased that my guest is in California. Maybe he can give me some warmer weather. We are going to talk about hiring, but this is different. Yeah, we're going to talk about AI, and we're going to talk about the technology, but his company is really on a mission for diversity and equity in the hiring process, so I can't wait to hear what he has to say for us. He is a three-time founder, so he's got some other tidbits for us from other companies that he has founded. But welcome to the program, Nin Tran, who's the CEO and co-founder of Snapbrilla. Nin, welcome to the program. Hey, Allison, what's up? Thanks so much for having me here. I'm yeah, excited well, to be here. Like I said, send me anything. I don't, I don't care if it's like warm, lukewarm and raining, but it is, as we're recording this, <laughs> truly frozen tundra in, in Chicago. Oh, yeah, today. totally. California, where I live, right here in King City, I live on a, a six-acre like ranch, and the grass is green, the, the sun <laughs> is shining. It's, it's January, but uh, you know, inside it's 70, outside it's probably 50. I go out, we have like a swing outside, and I can see the whole valley. It's, it's gorgeous. Come visit. Well, see, and now I'm not going to ask you what you do to balance all of your, uh, your tech life because yep. you've just described it. But let's get into sharing with our listeners um, what your current uh, project is, which is Snapbrilla. So tell us what the mission is of this company. Yeah, absolutely. So Snapbrilla is a, a hiring manager's best friend. We are an AI interviewing and assessment platform. And uh, we're just trying to accelerate uh, the embrace of diversity, equity, inclusion in the workspace, because um, if you if there's an underrepresented uh, professional that wants to break into technology, they are about 50% more likely to be automatically rejected from oh. the first three hiring oh, those are painful stages. Statistics. Um, and, you know, I've, I've worked in the industry for six, seven years now, and I've personally had impact uh, on uh, almost a, a million hires, 940,000 at, you know, companies like Google and Facebook and Amazon. We've been very blessed to be, to be able to partner with awesome companies that hired just, just the million is just in 2020 during when everybody was laying off, right? Uh, to get people into well-paying jobs. Uh, but what I've seen is, you know, volume doesn't necessarily mean that uh, underrepresented groups are fairly represented and that hiring is not biased. Um, so we, we're building a solution to address systemic bias and make hiring uh, faster, easier, uh, better for everyone involved, whether they're hiring manager, job seeker, or a recruiter. Well, I want to come back and, and dig into what the company does. But before we do that, you know, you had, we shared that you founded companies before this one, and this is a passion point for you. So just help our listeners get to know you a little bit better by sharing a little bit of that founder's journey story. 
Yeah, I think uh, my founder's journey begins way back, right, with my family. Um, I'm very lucky to have seen uh, my mom, who, who they're all very entrepreneurial, but my mom especially, she has built her, um, her business, brick and mortar business. She did restaurants, hotels, A to Z, you think of it, she did it. Uh, oh, I love your from, mom already. Cheers yeah, to the mom. Thanks. Uh, yeah, totally. Uh, while she was, uh, you know, taking care of me and my younger brother uh, and being a single mom, too. Uh, and she built her business and her, you know, little empire, not so little, but just from having like 10 bucks in her pocket. Right. Uh, and I've seen her work ethic to be able to not just take care of my family, but take care of, you know, aunts and uncles. She helped them build their business, but the families of her employees. Uh, And I could have had probably a pretty easy life just living with my my parents, but I wanted to do something. Uh, She taught me better than that and uh, and, uh, contribute and build something and and do something to better humanity and, and, um, and contribute to society. So my first startup failed. I look back, a ton of great memories and uh, and great lessons. Uh, second startup um, that was you know, it was pretty pretty hard. Uh, after the first startup failed, I went to Google for a year to retire. I gained eighty pounds. I lost them since then, <laughs> but you know, uh, talk about my founder journey. Uh, yeah, for sure, mental health, emotional health, and physical health all part of it. And at Google, I realized, you know, uh, unlimited food is great, but I'm not really a corporate guy. I'm more of a startup mm-hmm. uh, entrepreneur. And uh, I met these two guys who were building, you know, hard team at a time. And they invited me to join the founding team and say, okay, why not? It's not like I'm doing much anyway. I automated half of my work. So I was pretty bored at Google. And uh, that was my second startup. And uh, after we hit the 940,000 people hired during COVID, uh, I decided, you know, most companies are not really solving diversity, equity, inclusion, or interviewing bias. So uh, that's that's my newest venture, Snapbrilliant. Well, I know when, when you go to, and I like my listeners, I do share websites because if you're near a computer, you can always take a look. So it's snap, uh, Brilia, So S N A P B R I L L I A dot com. Yep. And I know when you take a look, uh, you kind of talk about three pillars for your product and, and let's just be clear for our listeners. It is a software as a service, uh, platform and you talk about a curated coding library, protective um, bias mi- mitigation, and then transparent hiring analysis. So, yep. so let's just talk about your your customers and what problems they come to you to have solved and how they use this software. So we have two type of customers, maybe three, right? On one side, it's the engineering hiring manager or engineers interviewers that want to hire the best people for their team. On the other side, we have recruiting and recruiters and recruiting leaders. So it's either CTOs or VP of talent, right, that are very much buying our our software solution. Um, And, uh, you know, engineers want to hire the best people, recruiters, 
they, they want to also hire the best people for their companies. They're coming from a different side. Uh, a last customer would be a candidate, a job seeker who wants to get a job, right? Right now, uh, the hiring process, you know, if you get a resume, it is, it is so inefficient. If you post a job, you get a thousand resumes. Out of a thousand resumes, you may only get two hires, right? Uh, and it starts with recruiters reading the re resumes when they have time, right? And then scheduling phone screens, inviting them to assessments, and the hiring manager then picking it up and assessing the candidate, and then interviews. And finally, after a couple months of work or a month of work, you get a hire, right? So our our solution uh, essentially uh, makes it super simpler and more efficient for people to uh, to validate whether resumes, like if someone puts Python, JavaScript, or whatever coding language that they say they have, actually if they can if they can do it. And it's unlike other solutions because uh, we allow we have more practical uh, coding challenges, and we allow the companies to assess candidates on. Uh, you know, work that is very close to what they would be doing day to day. Right? Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not like a regular coding challenge that would just test CS fundamentals, which nothing wrong with that. But even if someone, you know, uh, studies six months to just ace the test and then they start working, they can't really code or do the job, then pretty much you're stuck with it. Yeah, and for our right. listeners, we're talking about hires in the technology in the technology yep. space. Okay, so so let's take some steps back. There's so much here to un, unpack. Well, one, let's just talk about about you for a second um, because I'm fascinated by your your background. Um, you were you told me before we started recording that uh, originally from Vietnam. Where else have you lived? I lived in Czech Republic. I grew up there. Uh, and, and of course, we traveled all over Europe, uh, and and then finally uh, came to U.S. to uh, finish my university studies. I went to Berkeley, uh, mostly stayed in California, SoCal and NorCal, and now I'm kind of in between, uh, <laughs> still in California. Yeah. Yeah, and we um, talked about this this piece of how you can make sure that um, that you are as you said, the protective bias mitigation. So, so how does your platform differ from other platforms that do similar things to help make sure that we're a little bit more, I don't want to say blindfolded in the hiring process or just, but just making sure that we're not, um, that we're bringing more diversity into the workplace or at least giving more people a chance. Yeah. So most of the other solutions uh, out there, they uh, so they do have diversity features, right? They solve for diversity. They have, for example, like blind hiring, yeah. or we help you find diversity candidates with like a diversity search. But for most of those companies, it's not a focus. It's just a nice to have. And they, of course, they use diversity, equity, inclusion uh, to promote their solution. And the people who buy it, they mean well, right? However, they don't, you know, the innovation, the the amount of resources and the thought that goes into solving these problems is limited. They just solve it to check a box versus for us, it is our, our core focus where, you know, it's part of our social mission, 
uh, for our company. Uh, so when it comes to the proactive bias mitigation, right? People don't, when you have an interview with somebody, most interviewers uh, or interviews happen between two people. You don't have a third person in there or something that makes makes sure right, that the interview is as objective as possible. Most interviewers, they also don't know uh, how to interview well. Like interviewing is a skill that people learn. I once in my life was a terrible interviewer and I had to learn the hard way, right? Uh, but, you know, we have a ton of candidates that go through this and interviewers, they have unconscious biases, whether it's ageism, right? People over mm-hmm. 40, they, they don't work as hard or they're too overpaid or whatever, or whether it's, you know, gender bias. Like my wife is an engineer manager and as a engineer, when she did interviews, she's been told because you're female you can't cope what are you doing here and what decade are we in what decade are we in that we still do those things it's a couple years back (laughs) it's not like the last decade it's just pretty recent (laughs) and i hear this right and obviously true stories right it it just didn't happen to my life i keep hearing it um and uh, you know like even racist people they won't tell you that they're racist, right? They'll say, okay, it's because of something else or because, you know, they, they are the problem or something, right? Uh, but truly, most people, they don't mean to be biased consciously or intentionally. Uh, it just happens. It happens unconsciously because everybody else is doing it and they just don't know any better. So uh, we're using data to, to educate your interview pool and, whoever is at your company that's in charge of hiring and uh, weaponizing uh, AI and, uh, and technology to help you hire better people faster, regardless of, you know, their skin color, where they come from, how old they are. And then is this product something that's affordable for all sizes of companies, or do you have a very kind of target niche audience that you market to? Uh, we market to mostly enterprise companies, but we do have uh, packages that uh, any companies can can start with, starting with free package. Um, you can always go in and, and get one project, one hiring project, one job filled and tested uh, at no cost. And then if you are growing more, then we'd love to partner with you, um, especially to help you make your hiring process more fair, faster, easier, and better for everyone involved. Great. Well, let's talk about your, the building, the, actually building the business. And one of the things before we, we, we jump to my other questions is I have to comment on your, your website, because you said this is a mission and, and it's so important that companies are uh, authentic. Like you said earlier, you can't be a company that just puts something up on your website to tick a box or, or, you know, put something down. It's like, oh yeah, well, everybody's doing this. We need to do that. And I love on your website, you know, we can see everybody that is on your team and we can see the diversity across your team. And then what I really love is, you know, we keep saying nobody wants to buy from a corporation anymore. People, we know you're a company, we know you're trying to make money, but people want to buy from, from people. I, I have a, a presentation I give on businesses building their community brands. 
And what I love, Nin, is that um, if I cover over each of your staff, I can see not their bios, not where they went to school, not what they're so brilliant at, but you you chose to put down what it was that they wanted to be when they grew up as a as a child. Yeah. So I just want to know, where did that marketing idea come from? Was that from you? Was that from another person on your team? And oh, by the way, Nin, you wanted to be a garbage truck driver. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, garbage trucks were the biggest, baddest cars around at the time, you know, so I was like, wow, I, I want to be in that car. <laughs> um, yeah, and then and then I discovered uh, uh, they sent people to space as astronauts, so then I switched it from garbage truck driver to be an astronaut. Anyways, um, uh, I always wanted to have an awesome about page because like you said people people buy from people mm-hmm. um and more so you know people people buy from uh not just not just like uh people but uh uh you know like at, at stamp brilliant we work really really hard and we pour out our hearts and minds uh to be able to accomplish the mission that we're set out to do to accelerate uh, the world's embrace of diversity, equity, inclusion, and make work workplace more fair uh, and inclusive. And so uh, I thought it was such an awesome thing to let people express themselves, right? Whether with GIF or pictures of their baby pictures and yeah. uh, what they wanted to be as a kid, because it's important to know, uh, you know, our roots and, why we are doing what we're doing today and how we have arrived here, right? Uh, obviously, uh, from what I what my what my aspirations were as kids, right, to what I am doing today, a little bit different. But uh, you can imagine that it starts a lot of conversations. You know, it brings uh, it brings humanity it to to business uh, whenever someone partners with us, you know, buys, becomes a customer. I think of, I think of our, our users and customers and partners really as partners, like extension of our teams, because I cannot like as a one company, one person, or even a team, you know, accomplish this mission without the help of the whole industry. Right. It, this problem is, is much bigger than just in hiring. It's it's a really a social uh, a problem, cultural problem, right? Uh, so it it really doesn't just take a whole village, but the whole industry uh, to recognize this is this is something that uh, I want to do, right? And I want to support these people and partner with them uh, and become their extended team to. Uh, yeah, no, I was going to say, I on that note, I want to flip over because uh, time flies fast on this show. Yeah. I want to flip over to the fact that um, you have your team of four co-founders. And yep. so I want to know how it works with four, you know, and it doesn't matter whether you're a co-founder, whether you just have a, a C-suite leadership team, but tell me how how you kind of set up the guardrails and the roles and responsibilities for a co-founder team of four. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, 
I'm very blessed to have Beatrice and James and Frank uh, as my co-founders. We, we all have sacrificed and keep sacrificing a ton, right? And we're really passionate about, about our mission to help unconventional candidates get into well-paying jobs. Um, it can be tricky sometimes. I think at the core of how to make it work is just to be kind, right? Uh, be kind and understand that you're working with people, right? And uh, uh, luckily enough, they, they all have significant ownership in Snapbrilia that uh, I can truly rely on them. And they are the ones that are helping me to, to push the needle forward when it comes to uh, you know, our staff, our vision, our product, whatever it is. Now, uh, as always, you're going to have clear uh, areas of ownership. Everyone's very clear. We have daily meetings. We're all working remotely, right? Daily meetings where we bring up something. If there's any conflict, then people either talk to talk, talk through it one-on-one, and I try to foresee some conflict that, that may be coming up. Uh, but so far, it's been it's been pretty good. It's mostly been okay. How much can we accomplish in a short time? Uh, it's 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 you know all all of us moving forward in one single direction and aligning everybody. Uh, just communication. Awesome. Uh, that's that the. You make it sound so so easy. <laughs> it, it it it's not that hard, uh, or at least I've been very blessed with very mature. Yeah. Well, and I think this is this is what we we talk about, right? You were very forthright, and I so appreciate it. And I know if anybody that's listening, you know, wants to reach out to Nin, I'm sure you would share with them. But you were so forthright about having your first company fail. And I actually sometimes find after over three years of talking to people like yourself that that sometimes that's not a, a bad thing because it, it, it helps you course correct and adjust yep. so that you can get to the point in the story that you're telling us today. At that first company that you had that failed, did you have co-founders with you on that journey? Yeah, I did. I did have a co-founder and uh, my mistake at the time, there's a bunch of mistakes, but I think <laughs> the two things that I've learned uh, learning lessons is co-founders have to be completely full-time dedicated because my technical co-founders at the time, they weren't. They had a, a full-time job and this was their part-time entrepreneurial journey where I was always full-time. Um, uh, but still, we were able to push out the product, you know, get a bunch of traction, thousands of people used it. Uh, however, uh, and then I hit another wall, which was I didn't know how to actually make an app into a business, into a viable business, and how to monetize. Uh, I've learned I've learned a lot of things along the way working uh, in my last company, right? To build it, to monetize, we've mm-hmm. had high eight-figure uh, ARR as a as a business, and even for my current business, right? All of my co-founders, they're fully full-time, right? They don't do anything else, uh, including myself. Yeah, you can't, like a tech startup, you can't, maybe you can, but uh, from my experience, you can't really part-time it. No, not if you're not if you're trying to be serious or get the kind of results that that your company has seen in um, 
you know, in the last year. So yep. I, I want to ask when you started building this team and building this product out, what was your initial go-to-market strategy? Did you have the benefit of having corporate contacts from the other companies that you had, had founded? Um, yep. How did you go about getting those first customers? Yeah. Um, so obviously um, I, I've been very blessed to be able to already partner with a ton of people in a space that know me and know what I'm about. Um, so I guess when I sell a dream, they know that at some point I can make the dream a reality. Um, That's so beautiful. And yeah. And, uh, you know, everyone starts somewhere, you know, and I've been extremely blessed and so grateful for people they're able to help, right, uh, who come up and say, hey, Nin, I, what I, one thing I like about you is you actually build, there's so many products in this industry that don't work. It's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, people just build stuff for building stuff and then they sell it and then people buy it and then it doesn't help them. It doesn't provide any business value. It's actually adding more work to their day. Uh, and, you know, I, I try to talk to and be very close to my end users, uh, at least one meeting a day or more uh, to hear, okay, is this solving uh, something real is it moving the needle what else can we do to make your life easier right to truly earn hiring managers best friend uh, uh, and and help them make better hiring decisions here's what I love about the pieces that I know about you Nin and that I would want our listeners to know and, and I kind of made a joke of this before we started recording and and that's you know calling you a brilliant man of a few words because If you go to your LinkedIn profile, where people get to put all these flashy things on there about me, and I'm going to go home because I have a lot on mine, and I probably need to definitely go dial mine back. But yours just says building products and companies that people love. And I'm like, that is so easy. And I think this piece that you've said that you opened with, that you want to be positioned to be the hiring manager's best friend, and, and you just you know, said it again, that you want to earn that your product is seen as their best friend. You know, sometimes we don't need these big lofty vision statements and these big lofty complex goals. And and then I I really do appreciate that, you know, these pieces that you're putting out there are are pretty, pretty plain spoken, but I'm going to, I'm going to do what I say I'm intending to do. Yeah, um, it, it was a hard lesson, Allison, to get there. Uh, not always. I, I, uh, I wasn't always uh, like this, and and I'm still learning. There's a ton, ton you know, just a beginning. Uh, building companies that people love, if if and products. So my lesson from pivoting six times at Hartshell when we just started, and we had these cool ideas like build a, a, an AI, fully AI, AI uh, uh, full AI recruiter. So end to end from finding the candidate to placement, right? And then ultimately we built it and branded it. It was super cool. And at the end of the day, it was me and, and one of my uh, teammates doing the work all of the work, but we, t- we dubbed it AI recruiter, right? Uh, and I realized like, you know, 
whether it's AI or blockchain or any type of cool technology that's out there, right? It's uh, kind of useless without uh, without a human use case, right? Mm-hmm. And at the crux of a human use case is solving real challenges that people have day to day in their work. Right. If it if it makes job search easier or hiring easier, interviewing easier or recruiting easier, right? If you build something that that can get the the user a uh, a winning moment, a, a easier job, simplify their day, make it faster, cheaper, whatever it is, and people can have like can start to build emotional attachment to your solution, maybe because of, of uh, they, you know, the leader has a lofty goal. They have to hire, you know, 5 million people in five years, right? And now they only are doing half a million, uh, like 500,000 hires, right? And, and pretty much increase 10x in, in such huge numbers, never done before. So they look at technology as a solution and if I'm able to, you know, get them to a point where they can be successful and their teams can be successful, they can be promoted, everybody else can be promoted, the business wins, right? Uh, then people start to love the solution. And it doesn't have to be huge. It can be pretty humble and unassuming as long as it gets the job done. Like uh, I always thought the best things are pretty simple or free. Right. Uh, It doesn't have to be like a super high tech, cool things. Cool. Right. But, uh, you know, look at the things that humans fall in love with. Yeah. And I, I love how you said, you know, can you get the user to a winning moment? I think that is just a, a, a great, simple way and a visual way, because I, I think of, you know, we can all think of our, our experiences and, and sometimes I don't need a wow moment. I just went up. Oh my goodness. That was easier than I thought it was going to yeah, be. Totally. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So as we, as we close out here, Nin, um, and this is always kind of a, a tough question is, is in a, in simple terms, um, what was some of the best business advice you were given as a company founder? Yeah, I'd say always stay humble. Um, you know, um, humility, because, you know, if you, if you do all the right things and, uh, and the company's bound to grow, the product bound to take off, right? People who, and you're going to pass people that have been there longer, done a bunch of stuff, did more, uh, and people tend to get jealous. It's just human nature sometimes, mm-hmm. right? So if, if you're humble, uh, you can you can win more hearts and minds, even of your competitors to become your partners, and uh, that has that has always um, uh, always gone really well for me. Um, alongside of keep doing the right thing, that never gets old. No, Nan, I really appreciate that, and and I appreciate because on this podcast we like to talk about um, global business and and doing business with different cultures and outside the borders. And I wrote this book, Connect to Influence. And 
uh, a few years after I wrote it, somebody came back and quoted it to me. And I was like, what? I said that. That's awesome. But it was true. It was, it was kind of, I was describing um, people going into networking or meeting new people situations, kind of like as the American cowboy. And yeah. they're tone deaf. They're not reading the room. They're not aware of what they're reflecting back at them. So I, I think to your point, you can never go wrong, you know, in this staying humble and, you know, being present, I'm not saying, you know, be a wallflower, but there's definitely a way. And I like how you say to win hearts and minds. We like to ask our guests, Nin, if we were to come back and talk to you in two and three years, what is the vision for either Snapbrilia or for yourself? What's the, what's the vision in two to three years? Yeah, we want to help a million people that wouldn't otherwise get a good job get a good job right get into tech um especially you know especially from underrepresented groups my hope is that one day once they get experience they'll be able to help those who don't have experience to have do the same or uh take what they've learned and start building solutions that are closer uh to the problems that they care about or their communities care about Right. A lot of underrepresented groups, they don't benefit from all this tech startup craze and growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if there's more people that come from those communities, maybe they, they will start to because people uh, will start doing nonprofits or their own startups or projects on the side that um, that will directly impact those communities. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and we wish you all success in that mission because I think it's very admirable. Like you said, it's, it's not enough just to have a company that is, um, you know, doing the AI around hiring, because as you said, there are lots of companies that do that, but um, I wanted to speak to you today because your company takes a, a very, you know, solid position and you can tell it and everything that, um, that you do yep. and that you talk about, about having, um, this diversity and equity in the hiring process. So thank you for sharing your story. If people want to reach out to you, um, where can they go? What should they do? So it's pretty easy, uh, snabulia.com or just Google me and then try it on, on Google. I'm pretty easy to find. You can go, I have LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, just reach out. Uh, and we'll or put just, all those, we'll put all those links in the write-up yeah. for this episode. Um, so to our listeners, if Nin shared something in the story that you think somebody else needs to hear, pass a copy of this along and let them know. And as always, we appreciate reviews on Podchaser or your favorite podcast platform. If you know of a interesting, disruptive or innovative company founder that we should be speaking with, send me a note at connect at allisonksummers.com. Until then, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Nin, thank you again for being with us. Thanks, Allison. Take care, guys. Happy New Year. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.